That was literally verbal diarrhea. I'm setting the bar awfully low. Titus O'Neil keeps running directly into that bar. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. You make me very angry. The man who has a better IQ than you, the awe-inspiring JC. You should go work for WWE because you'd be so up far up Vince's No, butt. no, no, no. Oh, you are no, such no, a no, sucker. No, no. You, you are. defend everything, all the bad moves they make. This is the Chopper Knocker Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to yet another edition of the Jabberknocker Podcast. I am JC, and along with me is my guy, Nestlemania. And contrary to popular belief, I am not pregnant and will be giving up the Raw Women's Championship. Well, you already had a situation like that, and um, who knows, maybe maybe you and Becky will be uh, twin twins. I doubt it, but uh, I didn't get no championship. I didn't get anything. Well, you don't really deserve it in, uh, in defense, so... Who does? Who yeah. does? But you know what? Uh, You're referring to now, uh, Becky, relinquishing her title. So it turned out the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, which happened on Sunday. Uh, we didn't know it at the time, but uh, when Asuka won, she actually became the Raw Women's Champion. And we're probably going to get to that in a second. But, you know, let's save the best for last year in WrestleMania and go right from the start of the show to the end. Uh, it kicked off with the Fatal 4-Way SmackDown Tag Team Championship match, which saw the New Day retain. I don't really have much of a take on this match besides the fact that the ref threw out Jackson Riker for some reason, despite it being an ODQ match. Yeah, I mean, we always talk about this, and it, it seems like we're hitting you know the same kind of points over and over again, so it seems like we're just beating the drum to death. It's just hard because it was a car wreck. It was fun. I mean, everybody loves a good car wreck. Everybody had their moments. I thought it, I, this was the moment where I thought I watch, I watch all these people, and, and first off, you have, whether you, we, I know how much you hate Lucha House Party, but Lince Dorado, like, and and uh, what's his another name? Grand Metalik with the new mask. Like, I was pumping for that because I like the new mask. He looks kind of like a psychosis a little bit more. So that made me feel like a little bit better about it. So I thought that was something interesting. They went flying around a lot more in this matchup than I thought they would be doing. Um, and also, I thought the Miz and Morrison did a great job to kind of like, you know, playing spoiler a lot throughout this match. But, but of course, the New Day has to keep, you know, doing their New Day thing. So it is what it is. Yeah, not a lot I thought came out of it, but I, would, I do agree with you. Lucha House Party did have a really good showing despite their little hang up at the end. But uh, nonetheless, I think they deserve credit because, like you said, I thought they put in a good show. Next up, uh, advertised was actually R Truth versus MVP. Uh, it quickly turned into a Lashley R Truth match, and Lashley defeated him. So can I can I hit Scott hit? So let me do this again. Skip, hop, and jump around for one second on this. Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about this now. Why not? Let's do it. Okay. So we have this whole thing with MVP, who's clearly got an eye for shitty talent. And then <laughs> he he comes out for uh, MVP, who forgot to do whatever the hell MVP was going to do. And we do this whole thing, and then he beats R-Truth. But then R-Truth has a uh, promo on Monday talking about how he wants his baby back. So which one is he really – like, what is he doing? Like, we, we, we're not going to talk, I'm sure, about the six-man tag because we don't talk about that shit. But, like, you know, it it was stupid. And then it's like, so is he going after the title, or is he just going to be – beat up by Lashley and MVP and his goons. You know, like, I just, I feel like there's some weirdness to this whole thing, and it, it it doesn't keep me interested. It just makes me feel like it's super convoluted. So I think it's just this pretty much for our truth is filler, because I definitely do think they have an angle planned with Gronkowski, and I think actually Brady, the fact they mentioned him so much, I think they have some sort of angle planned with that, probably down the line, but I wouldn't be surprised if they saved it more towards you know football season or something with football in the news or maybe even a SummerSlam type thing um that they're just you know they're trying to keep our truth on our minds and you know he can lose over and over and it literally doesn't matter because he is so entertaining and Lashley needs a few uh more pins here to knock down and that clearly is what they were doing I guess and some pins that's yeah. exactly what it was yeah, I will say, though, I uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit the last couple weeks, but I'm excited for an MVP-Lashley uh, pairing because I do think that, obviously, that's the one thing Lashley really lacks, and MVP, even if he isn't your favorite, I think he can bring something Leo-like to Lashley in a different way that I think is good for Lashley because they're clearly pushing him for something here. Yeah, I mean, they are, but, uh, you know, it's funny. I think Leo Rush did a better job because he was a little guy, and having that big monster behind him looked cooler. 
than having MVP be like, hey, I'm the old old man, kind of, and I'm going to help you out. But, like, let's be honest here. MVP never reached any, like, mountaintop that Lashley already hasn't. So, like, I, I always get – I always hate that uh, analogy of, like, I'm going to help you get to the next level. Well, how do you know how to get to the next level if you've never gone to the next so level? So, I will say this in terms of coaching because you can see this in other sports is – just because someone isn't the greatest player ever, they might be in a fantastic coach. And you can look across all sports, like a lot of some of the greatest coaches maybe weren't the most dominant players. And then you see like some of the most dominant players who try to be coaches, i.e. like a Michael Jordan and completely flop. So I think it can be different as a manager. Obviously, MVP's been around the block. He's pretty much seen it all. Like you've said, he's worked many different places. But I think the big thing about, the, about this pairing for me is he is he can be a mouthpiece. And that's the one thing Lashley lacks and I think they make sense together, and I think it just... MVP, as much as I've never really been an MVP guy, he's always been kind of an annoyance for me. I think he could help Bobby. If he doesn't have the blow-up entrance, he's useless. Let's <laughs> move on. From from people who don't deserve to be together, for people who do deserve to be together, Bailey beats Tamina in the shocker of all shockers. Let's get, let's get it, folks. An ugly, ugly-ass roll-up. So, you know, there's that. Yeah, I don't have a lot of takeaways from this match either, except for Sasha's outfit was super cray-cray, and I was incredibly impressed with what she was doing in that outfit and heels. I was like, if I tried to do that, I'd fall on my face. So uh, that was my props there. But uh, hopefully this is it for Bailey and Tamina, but I have a feeling it might not be. Also, a faux pod during quarantine. And if anybody else saw this, Bailey took a sip of water and then threw it on Tamina's face. Yeah, they've been doing a lot of that because you've seen, I mean, even AEW, they've been doing handshakes and stuff like that and exchanging money. So it's, uh, I think, I think part of it also is all these people are being tested before, you know, they're going there. So they know they don't have it. But yeah, it's not the greatest look, I guess, for people watching at home. Just saying, it seems odd. It's, it's more of a, uh, it's more of a, um, when, you, when you look at it as a microcosm kind of thing. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. Uh, next up, we have the Gaga match of the night between Bray and Braun. And as you know, I've beaten the drum and as of you on this podcast of how we just haven't really been able to sink our teeth into this feud. Maybe up until like last, I thought Friday they did a nice job. But I thought this match had some really good storytelling in it. Obviously, it revolved around the mask. Braun teased that, you know, maybe that Bray Wyatt had uh, reinserted himself as a dominant figure in his life, but Braun overcame it and uh, actually beat Bray Wyatt. But the big thing about this feud is uh, he did not face the Fiend. They have not talked about the Fiend. So whether if that's what's up immediate or down the line, I think that uh, Fiend and Braun is definitely a thing. My hope is that they pull them apart for now and bring them back together at SummerSlam. But I have a feeling the way things are going and then uh, the wild card bitches that we saw this week that uh, Bray and Braun will be stuck together for a bit here. I actually really enjoyed this. I thought it was definitely the, uh, as you said, the gaga, the pageantry of the night. I thought that, you know, what could you possibly do? Bray actually moves pretty well in his Mr. Rogers outfit. I didn't expect him to. Uh, and, you know, Braun went full tilt on this one more than I think this was his first showing as champion. And he wanted to go out there strong. He train wrecked into the table. I mean, he did a lot of good things here to kind of put over that he's like, he's going for it. Like he doesn't know if he's going to get another opportunity. So he's really going to make this the best of what he can do. And, I really enjoyed the mask ending. I thought it was really good, and it gave me hope that, you know, parading Bray Wyatt out there instead of The Fiend makes me feel like, okay, maybe they are holding on to something better and that we're going to be getting something that we deserve, hopefully down the line, because I think that more often than not, this quarantine thing makes it feel like it's almost non-canon, like none of this will actually matter until we get a fan or a group of fans in front of us, I guess. Uh, so that's how I feel sometimes when I watch this program is just, the you know all this stuff doesn't necessarily matter as much and it's it maybe almost like an asterisk so. yeah i think i think it's just one of those things it's i know for me it's i think for everyone it's been really hard to invest in that and i think i'm going to touch on that in a moment but uh the next match that we get to i think is a good transition to this because drew mcintyre beat seth Rollins and actually what probably was a really good match um you know obviously i was watching with a couple of the jobber knocker boys and we were all in agreement like man these guys are really busting their ass but it's just like I'm not invested. I'm not invested. I can't get into it. And, like, I feel like if this match had a crowd, a crowd it probably would have been the show stealer of the night because I really do think these guys busted their ass. But for me, the match, whatever, it was solid. But to me, the big thing after the match was what I am going to take away from it is that uh, Drew McIntyre went to shake Seth Rollins' hands. We all expected him to walk away or slap it, but he actually did it. And I immediately said to the boys, I'm like, this is the most interesting thing for me with Seth Rollins in a long, long time because it is something actually character-wise that I'm intrigued by. That is something that 
I'm not sure how they're going to do with this. And obviously we got more answers on Monday. But I think in that moment, I was like, okay, finally something with Seth. For the first time in a long time, me as a Seth hater, I have something I can stick my teeth into. I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was physically dramatic. I thought, you know, they had a back and forth. It felt like a boxing match, you know, like they bounced into the ropes and then he claymored after he got a kick. I mean, um, by the way, he threw three running knees, which I will now call because he's the Monday Night Messiah. He holds it. Holy Trinity. He stole uh, that move from Mandy, but okay. He, he does it better. So no, he doesn't. When you, when you do it better, you get to call it what you want. So I'm going <laughs> to call it the Holy Trinity. Jesus, that was loud. Uh, anyway, so it was very well-timed. I thought it was a good a good match, and it was meaningful. And I think there's also a well-placed one count at the end, which really, to me, is something that a lot of people don't do. I mean, we saw it with Tyler Bate and Walter, but they don't do it a lot of times with the one count at the end of the match. And I thought that that really spoke volumes to how powerful um, Drew McIntyre was, especially with you know the, how the match was back and forth, back and forth, and didn't have a lot of like give to one side or the other. It was very evenly matched until the end. So I appreciated it. I thought it was good. Yeah, and I think I do agree. It was absolutely a nice signature win for Drew. I think he needed that. Even though I don't necessarily agree with how they built it up, I do think it was effective. And now, hopefully moving forward, they both have something more. But uh, it is now time to get to the main event. I know that we have differing opinions on this, so I'm going to run through my thoughts, and then you're going to run through your thoughts, and then we can uh, kill each other after that, because it's a little hard to argue over the phone. But uh, for me, I thought this match was a ton of fun. Was there hokey spots? Absolutely. But one of my favorite parts of the matches was Mr. AJ Styles, who kind of does the hokey heel stuff better than most. Like, I just I just incredibly enjoyed it from start to finish. I thought he was one of the MVPs of this match. Uh, this match literally gave us everything we were hoping for going in. We got two people thrown off the roof. We got Vince's office. There was a freaking food fight in the cafeteria, which was your catering wish on steroids. There was tons of cameos that people enjoyed. Some, like, landed flat. Some didn't. Uh, there was some goofy stuff with Dana. That was weird. But I think overall, I, th- I just had a lot of fun with this match. And the biggest reason why I think it was is, like, yeah, were there some weird parts of it? Absolutely. Absolutely. But the way I look at this and the way I continue to look at things like this is that week after week, we're trying to watch this empty arena wrestling. And it is really tough to watch for most of it because it's just hard to do it. So I like that, you know, they're starting to set a precedent here during these weird times that at a big event, I am going to get something different and something unique to that event. Because granted, like I've talked about it all the time, Money in the Bank ladder matches are one of my favorite matches of the year. And yes, I did lose that this year, which sucks. But even seeing the match that I enjoyed at WrestleMania, the ladder match and the other ones in empty arena, they're not the same. So I give them credit for going out there. And like I said, I did enjoy this uh, for the most part. I thought it was a ton of fun. You done? I am done for now. Okay. Okay. So I did not like this. I thought that it was incredibly too hokey. And again, I, I go into this knowing full well that it was going to be hokey and that it was going to be, I love mystery science theater. I love bad movies. I love, this should be my cup of tea. This, the role should be reversed in this aspect. You know what I mean? Like you should be hating it and I should be loving it and defending it. Um, but there is something about this that, that I just can't, I can't let go. And it's just, it's little things here and there. It felt too, like, I know it's wrestling, but it, it felt too staged for me. I mean, they, they added, they've added in music. I know there wasn't a lot of commentary. I think I would have preferred some commentary because I think that's what really took it away from me. I think at the beginning and the end, Michael Cole sounded monotone and not excited when he was like, Oscar wins. And it just, it just sounded like a video game for me when I was listening to it. It just felt like there was no, like I would have preferred back and forth with, you know, maybe having, Michael Cole and, and having uh, Corey Graves and Samoa Joe all talk about stuff while things are going on, reacting to it, because I think that definitely added to it. Um, not all the time, you know, but I think that they could have produced this a little bit better in terms of the bad aspect of it. I know people are going to say they're going to talk over all the funny parts and all that other stuff, but that's why you edit it beforehand so nobody talks over anybody. But it just it seemed odd to me. I mean, it, it felt more game showy than I would have preferred, and I do love game shows. I'm a game show guy. I really do love it. But it felt like it was just like they paraded out, you know, the women in the lobby. They paraded out the men in the gym. And it was just like, it, it didn't, it just seemed odd to me. Or it was just like guys coming into the gym being like talking shit, talking shit. And then they wait for the bell that clearly wasn't there to, you know, to do that thing. And then Oscar jumps off like that. That made me, when, when she jumped off, I was like, okay, that's funny. That's great. Of course, there were great cameos in there. There were some, like you said, that were kind of shitty. The food fight, clearly, I was popping for, although I was bizarrely kind of like 
hating the fact that Shayna Baszler choked out Rey Mysterio and nobody really fucking got up in arms about it. It seems kind of odd to me, but whatever. I mean, Ray's willing to do it. It doesn't matter. Um, the other thing too that was kind of odd in terms of a logistical or, or actually a logical standpoint was that Dana Dana Brooke grabbed the briefcase full of money. If she wasn't going to win the briefcase, why not just take the money? Right? That's all I'm saying. Take the fucking money. It was full of at least $10,000. That would have made it a little bit better. But no, she put it away. They had some random ass cameo from Steph looking off camera to a shitty cell phone. And then, you know, which I appreciate they tried, but it was just like they made fun of Dana. Then they had Dana get, you know, dropped in the fucking whoop, whoop, whoop part, which again, it's fine. But like they've gone so far to try to make Dana Brooke relatively decent for us to watch only to parade her out as the three stooges really makes me feel like she's never going to get any type of dessert there. She's going to get just, she's going to get that dangled carrot for the rest of her life. And if that's, that's what it is, it's fine. But like you picked her like slightly as a joke, but you have to tell me, I mean, when we're done talking about this, like, you know, you actually thought there was an actual chance. And then the minute you saw her job her out, you probably thought to yourself, well, she's definitely not fucking winning. Yeah, I think the big thing for me with her is I just the, my my reason for picking her is I just thought they might do something unexpected, which they kind of did. Not so much with the women, but maybe on the men's side. But um, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm obviously not. None of us, I don't think, are really huge Dana Brooke guys. I respect her talent. I respect what she's accomplished outside of WWE. I respect that she's lasted this long. But I just I think it would take a money in the bank type win to ascend her because. I mean, I think the way they treated her in this match is how we kind of view her. So it didn't really bother me. She was probably one of the lower points of the match. I did enjoy her, like, wearing the Carmella poster continually. Like, that at least, like, made me chuckle. But um, I'm not going to take away from this match being upset about how they treated Dana Brooke because I just think it's more par for the course with her, unfortunately. Some highlights, though. Jean wearing Vince. That made me very excited to see Vince and Jean's. I could not, I, I cannot, and I overstate that. That and the dinosaur was pretty cool. Um, but the other part that I think that really bothered me was like once they got to the top, which again, it is what it is. Once they got to the actual roof, it felt like it didn't matter. And that was where it should have mattered most. Like I, I almost like wanted the, like, I feel like if there were better things along the way, it, it would have like, it just seems like I know they probably had to cut it for time or whatever, but they had two hours and 30 minutes of the whole pay-per-view. You figured it would have been a little bit longer, but my exact, fear happened oscar won nobody cared and then it was you know let's get the guys going and doing their thing i don't even think everybody made it to the top of the the the, the roof which again you know it probably was by design but it was just odd to me that that and i think oscar and baron corbin were going for different briefcases and oscar shooting him away it didn't even matter you know it's just like little things like that it's just the whole thing you know especially with the getting thrown off the roof but then they show the wide shot with the crash mat it's just like i would have preferred it to you know maybe give Ray and Black a couple of nights off for a while and then be like, they actually aren't dead, but they have severe injuries and make King Corbin look like a badass, especially if you insert him into what we're going to talk about later. He just threw two motherfuckers off the roof. You know what I mean? Like he just, these are the things that like, you don't have to hot shot it. Like we're, we're clearly in a, in a room where, you know, or sorry, in a, in a place where you can do this, where you can let Ray and, and Black be off television for a week or two and then have, you know, Corbin, dictate how great he is because he threw two guys off the roof and he's not going to jail yeah i mean i obviously that was a huge pop moment for me during the match and i will say we obviously didn't learn till the next day that those two guys were okay so i think as part of the moment it worked but yeah obviously i agree with you i wanted those two guys off tv for a while because one i i mean who knows what's going on with ray he might be off tv anyways of what happened on monday but i just think alistair black it could have been like not like a full reset but like a nice little like thing for him to kind of get his shit back and when he comes back maybe he comes back a little darker and we take him more seriously because we obviously always joke with him with his little like knocking on his door and shit i just think like a little like time out for him probably would have been good for everyone but whatever they just i mean they taped this match about four or five weeks ago and they've done some of the stuff leading up to it since then so it's been that's why i think monday was kind of awkward with some of the transition like obviously you had the weirdness with the title and everything because i think it was just kind of a taped out of order for whatever reason probably logistically with connecticut and everything but um, I th- I just the way I, I'm focusing on it with in terms of throwing off the roof like I just look at it as when that happened like not knowing the aftermath and Corbin admitting on Monday there was a second roof that I just thought it was really cool because I 
I like obviously we joked about it and we thought they might do it, but I just love that they did it twice and they gave it to Corbin. Especially once I saw him do that, I'm like, well, he's not winning, but at least he got something out of it because I still think he can use it. Because even though we know there was another roof, that was still a badass move to take two fucking guys and literally throw them off a roof with no human regard for them. Yeah, and I mean he did a good job on the promo too. So I get it. It's just it's the, the whole the whole as a as a whole. It, like I, I like I said this to you, I think before in the, in the thread, this whole thing for me I couldn't deal with it because it made it feel like I was watching the most extreme elimination challenge. Right, you are Ken. Like it just felt like it was just like almost so hokey. It should have been dubbed in a different language and just like made fun of the entire time. Like it and and it definitely to me so I like took away from like what to me money in the bank ladder match. Like you're talking about the risk is like the reward and you're talking about how dangerous this match was. But in no but besides getting thrown off the roof. There was no danger element, in my opinion. There was just so much comedy that it didn't have a lot of risk, in my in my opinion. Like, you were running through an office building. Nobody really took many bumps. It didn't seem like there was a lot of risk there until you got to the top, which not everybody got to the top and had a chance to even grab the briefcase. And it was just so convoluted with the two people. Like I said, it wasn't like people grabbed at the same time. And then it's just, it didn't do it for me in terms of that because, again, when you get excited and I get excited about the money in the bank, it's like, let's see this human car wreck. Let's see this crowd, like, go nuts when somebody breaks through a fucking ladder. Let's do all these crazy spots and stuff like that, which clearly they, you know, they had handcuffed. But I applaud them for doing something different. We'll probably never see this again. So it's definitely going to stand still, you know, on its own in time. And, and it's going to be, we'll, we'll remember it because it's so bizarre. But for me, it just seems like, it, you know, I'm waiting for a host to be hosting it and telling you, oh, you've won this many points this round. And, you know, Otis wins because he tied some guy in the face. And, like, there's Doink the Clown for some random-ass fucking reason. Brother Love came out of the fucking bathroom without washing his hands. You know, random shit. But, you know, it, it's just, to me, like, I love this stuff more often than not. But to me, it just seems like we're going to the well too many times with this shit. And it's not for me. See, I think that's that's just I think where our disagreement is is that you're you are arguing that yes, like I agree with the terms of I I missed the Money in the Bank match, but a lot of like you like you even mentioned it, the crowd going wild on a ladder, like that isn't happening right now. So the reason why I'm really liking this stuff is because you're giving me a pay per view event. We already complained how there's so much like the week to week. They're literally giving us something completely different that we've been looking forward to, and that's my argument. All for. We just disagree on the fundamentals of it, and I just I just don't want the same thing every week because I'm just sick of the empty arena wrestling. It doesn't do anything for me. So getting something like this, I think, is more fun, even if it is a little hokey. I think there's enough in there that I really enjoy, and I do hope they find ways to be creative going forward to give us different type things at these big events to make them stand out from the norm. But I do think um, we gotta we could obviously go back and forth in this all day. I think we got to talk about Otis because uh, Otis is Mr. Money in the Bank, WrestleMania. You know, the execution of it didn't bother me as much because, like, Elias just came out of nowhere, which, whatever, it's fine. It made sense story-wise. But, but, you know, AJ, you, see, here's here's the thing I have a hard time believing, and everybody's going to be like, all right, shut the fuck up, Nestle. But here's what I have a hard time believing. AJ Styles is considered the best performer of this generation. The guy doesn't miss. He doesn't miss catches. He doesn't miss moves. Like, he never does anything. Like, he made that he made that move that he missed the briefcase look like he had to try to miss it. You know what I mean? Like he's that perfect on everything he does, but like he did a good job of fumbling it. But in my head, I'm looking at it going like, okay, it hit him. It's kind of smacked around and Otis grabbed it. And that was it, which is fine because he couldn't, it, like the logic was there. Otis was too big to get up the ladder. He just caught it. I'm okay with it, you know, but like, I'm not huge fans of Otis. Like I'm not, I'm not upset with Otis winning it. I'm upset with the idea of like, when I see Otis, I know that he's not going to challenge for the, he's not going to challenge for the world heavyweight championship or, or SmackDown or Raw. You know what I mean? He's just not like, and I think that takes the elements out of it. Cause we kind of got, you know, screwed on the whole, like we'll talk about, you know, the raw women's championship thing and the money in the bank there. So it just seems like both sides are going to end up being not what we want them to be. And, and if Otis does cash in on a champion, I will be happy. But as we've talked about previously, it, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that's obviously part of it for me, too. That's why I'd really never considered Otis winning because I'm like, well, if he did win, he'd just challenge Braun and, like, lose, and what's the point? But that's why, for me, like, 
Do I love the fact that he possibly could cash in on a tag team champion? Maybe not, because that's never really been what Money in the Bank is about, but they've never ever said that Money in the Bank isn't about that. They've always said you can cash in on a champion of your choosing anytime, anywhere, and they've obviously teased it like with stuff, but we've obviously never seen it for a mid-card title. We've never seen it for a tag team title. So, I mean, the fact that it isn't blatantly say, like, I don't think they ever, maybe they have in the past, but they say it's a title opportunity of your choosing, and if he really wants to... His big thing leading in was that he wants to be a champion, and maybe he's smart enough to realize that, well, I'm not going to beat Braun or Drew even with an advantage, and I don't want to be a sniveling snake because that's not who I am. Like, I want me and my boy Tucky, who I love like a brother, and this is what we've been chasing. I want us to get our shot, and now we have that guaranteed shot. I don't hate the logic of it. You can, is it a waste, especially knowing that Asuka was just handed a championship? Maybe, because obviously, like, the big part of Money in the Bank is the tease and really enjoy that, and we feel like we haven't gotten that so much the last few years with um, Bailey obviously cashing the same night. Brock, like, just isn't around as much to tease it. So I do agree with you in that sense, but I also am intrigued by the fact that this is now a possibility that going forward in future years that, you know, it isn't always a guarantee that, like, if blah, blah, blah and SmackDown wins, they challenge the SmackDown world champion. It's like, well, maybe they could always twist it up. So I don't mind that if they go that route. I want to see how they execute it, but... I do think that there's a better option here, and our boy Ray Ray kind of said it first, and that's uh, Otis is with Mandy. Mandy, I think long-term, is eventually probably going to be a heel. I think she's going to be a babyface for the foreseeable future, but I think it could be a lot of fun to have Otis hang on to this briefcase for a while and kind of not decide what to do with it. Maybe he argues with it a bit, but I think eventually maybe Mandy can trick him into allowing her to use the briefcase and cash in and then kick him to the curb. That would be interesting. Listen, I told you privately as well, if that happens, I would be all for it. But I don't see them thinking that far in advance and having that good of an idea. Ray Ray was a genius to think of it. And like I said, if it happens, you can get video proof of me saying that Mandy Rose is the best women's wrestler of all time. Otis is amazing. <laughs> I will be on a video eating my words, eating crow. All right. It ain't going to fucking happen. And if it does, it sh- I will. You know what? I, I'll be happy that it happened. I won't be mad that I have to do a video because it was actually a smart move. But it. I don't see it happening because I don't see them thinking that long term, especially where they hotshot everything right now. I have a very, 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 very hard time believing that this is going to be something that they're going to let, you know, they're going to hold on to for some reason or other. And the other thing, too, is like, and this is the part I think TJ made have brought up, and it's something that I definitely have an issue with and why Otis won, is that there's two things in, in wrestling or WWE specifically that I love, and it's because the Royal Rumble, when done correctly, is to elevate somebody special into the main event of wrestlemania they finally have gotten their chance you know they you have that long ass journey you break through the glass ceiling so to speak yada 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 and money in the bank is just like that if not different but the same where all, most of the guys that have won have kind of broke through to that next you know that next level and if you're going to treat otis that way i'm fine with it but start presenting him in that way we'll have to find out if that is true but the realization is is that you basically just you, you just didn't care like he's going to, he's going to hold on to it or he's going to lose it. And someone else is going to cash in and use it or whatever. But he, there's no upper echelon. So I hate what you guys say when you're like, Oh, you want, you want, you want to elevate the tag division? Nope. It, let's be honest. Seriously, regardless of what you TJ or anybody else has said, if you were having TJ, sorry, if you were having Otis win the money in the bank championship, whatever, and he's running down in front of a crowd, are you going to fucking pop that he's cashing in on a tag team championship? If no, correctly, as, maybe. No, you are not. You, you, you're lying to yourself if you're saying that. Because if you, he rolled, if he, if he, you, if you were in a crowd in Boston and he rolled down at SummerSlam with that briefcase to get, the, to, like the fiend just beat up, you know, Braun and Braun is incapacitated on a stretcher. He's he's strapped in. He can't kick out. That right there is going to be a moment you go, holy shit, is he really going to fucking do this? Versus I'm running in to fucking do a tag team match. Get the fuck out of here. All right. Well, I the, will, element of, I, I, the element of surprise is completely different. That's what I'm saying, and I, and I hate that you guys think that it's that it's not that big of a deal. Like it is. Well, uh, hold on. I'm trying to pull this up to check, but. Because I don't disagree with you about the Royal Rumble and the Money in the Bank ladder match, but um, if we look at recent years with the Money in the Bank ladder match, like uh, on the men's side, it's let's look at it here. Brock Lesnar, that's not building an up and coming star. Braun Strowman, who lost it. He was already in World Pictures. They just used it to get him another shot. Baron Corbin also lost it. Dean Ambrose, did he need it? Probably not. I think that was an effective one. 
Um, Seamus, did that was we... no, but Dean, Am- Dean Ambrose was the first time he won, and it was a big okay. Deal. So Don't so far like we're one, so far we're one for four, Nestle. Before Baron that, Seamus was a big deal too. You can't say that it wasn't a big deal they, just because they didn't cash in. It was. Still I think a big it's part deal. of, but he that's but that's it. my point is that that's what kind of what they could be doing with Otis here is they could be doing that because they did the same thing with Damian Sandow and stuff. But my point is over like before that you have Rollins was obviously a big breakthrough, but then before that like Randy Orton won it, Cena won it. So it just it isn't always been used like that, especially recently. I think this is more of the fact of them actually giving it to a younger star who is hotter than anyone right now. Otis is the hottest thing in wrestling, and I think they're just cashing in on that, literally. And we'll see how they do it. They might flop it, sure. But I just I think in terms of like an argument of an up-and-coming star, like if they would have given it to AJ Styles, AJ Styles didn't need it as much as we would have loved it. It would have been more of like, oh, just giving it to a veteran. Whereas Otis, like... You look at the up-and-coming stars in the company, like, he, his run is likely going to be a short one here on top, but at least for now, like, they're giving it to someone that, like, hasn't busted through yet, and we'll see how they use it, but I just, I think when, especially coming off a year with Brock Lesnar and guys like that, it just, it's, they haven't been using it for that, and even the Royal Rumble, they did this year with McIntyre, but, like, they, a lot of the times, they'll just give it to an already established guy just to, you know, give him another shot. So I don't think it's always like that. So using that as a reason against it is, I think, you know, it's tough. Um, the women's, I think, has been obviously since it's so new, it's been someone uh, special every year. But we'll see going forward. I just I think Otis is more of that, like, actually taking a chance on an up-and-comer. I, and I, I, again, I agree if they take a chance on him. But if they don't, and we know that they probably won't take a chance on him because he's probably going to lose that—he's he's probably going to lose that thing or cash it in on himself. Meaning, uh, not meaningful championship. That's all. Well, it might be not meaningful to you, but some of us actually care about tag team wrestling. That's not all of us hate it like you do. All right. Well, let's move on to the rest of the fucking program. All right. You'll always be in my shine. Mwah! Uh Where would you like to start, sir? Because there was some good this week. Well, do we want to talk about Mandy Rose and Sonya since you gave her a kiss? Let's do it. That's the only thing on SmackDown that I care to talk about because, uh, yeah, that always in the shine, baby. I look. I mean, they, they did a vicious brawl. I really liked the fact that time it was the right call to have Sonya win. I was really happy. It was short and sweet. It gave you a little bit of an appetizer. It's going to keep on moving in a direction. It seems like it's a legit thing. It's you know, it's not that they're like trying to pull one over on us and they've been in cahoots all the time. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But. It seems like a legitimate problem that they are, you know, trying to beat each other up. I thought Mandy actually looked a little bit more aggressive than normal. She, but by the way, in that six-minute match, I counted between the both of them. They threw seven running knees. Which, Hell yeah, baby! You know, that was a little bit too much. I mean, that's like hitting the A button too many times and no mercy to punch somebody. But that's okay. It is what it is. Uh, but it, but again, I was I was very interested in what was going on. My favorite part of this match for me was the trash talk. Uh, I think that throughout the match, especially in these empty arenas, you've got to give me something, whether it's a storyline type of thing or like the trash talk has been very effective. Sony obviously came out right out the gate dominating with it. And I'm like, okay, Mandy, let's see if you can respond with your own trash talk to keep the momentum going. I thought she did. And like, I agree. I thought this match delivered. I thought it was fun. I'd like to see them, you know, fight again in a bigger spot, maybe with a stipulation. Um, but I, like you said, I think short and sweet was the right decision. We didn't need something lawn here. Uh, the right person won for what it would have had to be and how they did it. So I still think this is one of the more interesting things going forward. And uh, we'll see what they do on Friday night. Loser shaves their head. That's what they should do. Nobody wants that. For either of them. No, get out of here. No, I'm telling you. That's horrible. Why imagine they shave imagine Mandy Bald. Imagine Mandy Bald. That would be horrible. She could just wear a wig, I guess, but that would be horrible. Just saying. You ready to go to Raw? Uh, yeah, there's literally nothing else on SmackDown that matters. Yeah, nothing else mattered. Um, so I have three things that I super enjoyed. I think two of them kind of go together, but I, I saw you tweet about it, and I will say that this, I think, was the best part of Raw, and I think it was Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler. Her promo work this week was, we don't get heel promo work like this, like, maybe ever. Like, with just the viciousness of it and some of the stuff she said, calling her potential baby a miserable parasite, saying that kid's going to suck. Do you know who the father is? Like, some of this stuff, it was super hot fire, man. Like, Shayna just, like, this is what she needed because she has super cooled off since her loss to Becky in that awful match at WrestleMania. But, man, like, Money in the Bank, like, she kind of, like you said, she choked out Ray. She had a few moments, but she kind of wasn't, like, the focal point of the match. She was kind of, like, you know, the background. But I thought on Monday she brought herself to the front of it being like, look it. Just because the man's leaving and Oscar's the champ now, I should still be the focus here. And I thought she fucking delivered. 
10 out of 10 mothers agree that your career ends after having children. That was the line of the fucking night. I mean, I just, I burst out laughing because I was, I was beside myself that one, that they let him do it, but two, it was so vicious. And that like, we know that Belle to Bell, she, she's in there and she does, she's not the sexiest wrestler in terms of like what she's doing in the ring. Like nobody's going to think she's flashy or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like they, they kind of find her to be boring. They're like, she's not flashy. She's not interesting in the ring essentially, but that's not what she's there to do. She's, you know, She's ugly looking. She beats up people and she hurts people. That's what she's there for. So to have her talk, I was thinking that was the part that I went, you know what? That's what she needs to do. I don't care about her wrestling as much. I want her to be vicious and start trash talking more, you know, have shorter matches, let her beat up jobbers for a while, whatever they got to do, just do it. Because that right there proved to me, you know, that she's so heartless that as a, as a fan watching it made me go, okay, cool. Like I, I want her to, get her moment and it just seems like i wish that was what she could do the whole time like i wish that but again you have to kind of start from somewhere to to get somewhere so i understand she's basically started from the ground you know zero now so yeah and i honestly looking back i think in the long run this is going to be good for her that she took that l early on because a lot of the time when someone gets called up it's kind of like they're building this momentum of an undefeated streak like beating winning popcorn matches i like that she came up lost right away so we're not thinking about that and now all she has to do is come back and um she obviously she did actually beat natalia on raw and she said the heart dynasty dies with her continuing the smack talk but yeah i think i agree with you there i don't want her and oscar together right away i think that's something you can build towards because i think Shayna could really be a huge heel for this company well we'll find out especially with a couple of other rules that have been in place but that uh i don't know we'll see what happens i really i don't know i I think it's going to be an interesting couple of months well speaking of an interesting couple of months i think we'd be remiss not to immediately transition to the kickoff segment to raw where becky actually relinquishes the raw woman's title to oscar we found out uh after that apparently oscar couldn't open the briefcase because she didn't have the right code and becky did and her title was in there and she presented it to oscar and then announced she was pregnant she celebrated with oscar it was actually a really cool feel-good moment it was a different side of becky than we've seen on a long time more of like that human side not this robotic like man character that she's been and it really obviously there was rumors swirling about this for a while and everything obviously we haven't really seen becky much especially in the rain since mania so we knew something was going on um but i do think this segment like um it was it was weird for sure but i do think that they hit the right notes i enjoyed it i thought it was well done i thought it was well thought out i think that i teared up a little at the line where she said you go be a warrior i'm gonna be a mother like yeah. i thought that was kind of a nice moment whoever wrote that deserves a pat on the back there because that was well-timed and well-delivered by Becky. So I thought that was great. And you could tell that she was generally excited to be a mom, but generally bummed out that she had to kind of go away for probably the foreseeable future. And I think that's the kind of the thing where like, what made me laugh about Shayna Baszler's promo so hard was like, you're on top. How stupid do you have to be yep. to have a kid while you're on top? Like, <laughs> and that was my, that was my general consensus when I, when I, my wife woke up this morning and she was like, Oh, so Beth, you know, who, who had a baby? I was like, Oh, Becky Lynch is having a kid with Seth Rollins. And you know, like she's the, she's on top. Like she's, she's better than most of the men and she's worked her entire life to get to this moment. You're going to tell me that they couldn't, you, you can plan to have a children. And for somebody like her, like you definitely want to be precautious. Like clearly it was probably, you know, a happy accident, I'm sure. But it's just, you think to yourself, like she's probably not going to come back. Like I think TJ is like, Oh, she comes back by the, the Royal Rumble. Dude, she's going to have her kid by the Royal Rumble. She may come back for mania if she's lucky. But more often than not, we're not going to see Becky Lynch for another year and a half, two years until she feels like, you know, she has some resemblance of being the man or the mom or whatever she wants to be. But there's a very good chance that she has a limited schedule for the rest of her life. And she doesn't, you, you know, they say when you become a mother, like you change, when you become a dad, you change. So I don't, I don't, I don't see Seth Rollins really changing up too much, but I mean, Becky Lynch is going to probably go away and what we know her as is not going to be the same. Oh, absolutely. I think this is definitely going to give him a monumental shift. But again, I mean, I think we had a discussion two or three weeks ago. We got into a long discussion about Becky's future because, like, you know, after she had the moment at WrestleMania and finally got over the mountaintop, she's just kind of been on top for a year with nobody to fight and not a lot to do. And she was getting stale and we really did want to change. And it was just more of shoving the man down our throat. And she did, like you said, seem like she was on like a course to stardom. Um, We even talked about that. But I mean, going forward, obviously, this is something different. It's clearly something that... Uh, that she's been thinking about for a while and something that they did, whether they plan to or not to, it's, it's something that they're going forward with now and that she's clearly obviously excited for. Um, and yeah, her future is, you never know, especially if someone, when someone does get pregnant, eventually has the body, uh, have the baby, excuse me, 
what that can change to your mindset and never mind your physical body too as well. So, I mean, obviously it, I think it could be exciting though, that down the line that we'd see a different version of Becky Lynch, because I really do think she did everything she could with the man moniker and like that version of it that she could, it's like she literally beat everyone. She held the title for over a year. She won it at WrestleMania. She retained it at WrestleMania. So I do think it's exciting that down the line, like we could have a different Becky in our future. It's a shame that they're losing her right now because Given the current climate of wrestling, like they can't be affording to lose more and more stars off television, but it uh, is what it is, apparently. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, we're not going to beat this with like a dead horse or anything, but you know, I mean, they. I was surprised they went above and beyond and actually, you know, made a joke up to to Seth about you know his whole, you know, congratulations. And Ray was like, you know, being a father is yada yada yada, and like, you know, like they they went out of their way. I thought they were going to not mention the fact that Seth was going to be the dad and everything. And then, of course, they had that moment. And then later, of course, we just talked about Shayna Baszler. So, I mean, like, you know, it's hard because nobody really thinks about dad, so to speak, in terms of a lot of different things. So it's interesting that, you know, they put the focus on Becky. It's a nice celebratory thing. And then, like, it's funny how they used a positive and spun such a negative onto Seth, but made it work for him. Like, I don't know if, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, in in a moment, but, I mean, the fact that is he acting the way he is because of what's happening or because he, he's losing a little bit? Like, it's an interesting, intriguing thing. Are you sitting down? Yep. Uh, uh, TJ, our boy Danny from across the pond, I hope you're sitting down. Um, I'm all in on this version of Seth Rollins. This is, this is <laughs> what I have been hoping for from this fucking guy for years. And part of the reason why I've always been so critical extra on him is because I expect more and something different from a guy who's constantly on top and who has the abilities that he has that I should be getting more out of it and it shouldn't be the same old shit. And I teased it at Money in the Bank with the handshake. That that was intriguing. And then all of a sudden, like, I was fascinated by what all everything was going on with him on Raw. Because there's, like you said, there's a million things you can think about. Obviously, he looks like a mess. His hair's all over the place. He has that faraway look in his eyes. Um... And it was just during the whole tag match, like, they made sure they were framing the shots that he was just in it on the apron looking like just, like, off in a faraway land, you know, Murphy doing all the work in the rain. And then finally, obviously, when, you know, Ray hits him, he snaps and he literally destroys Ray Mysterio. That poor, poor Ray Mysterio. You talk about dying for our sins recently. Good Lord. He gets the shit literally beat up from him. Uh, Seth actually snaps at Murphy as well during this match, telling him to get back. And then he goes and continues to beat up Ray. He goes in, obviously, backstage when Ray's getting worked on, just walks in and it incites a brawl between Murphy and Black, but Seth just kind of walks away. So it's just like I'm so fascinated by what they're going to do with him because I do think it could be related to the fatherhood, um, whether it's whatever reason. But also Shayna did say, he's like, you don't know who the father is. So it's, there's a million different things they could do with this. But this is the most interesting I have found the character of Seth Rollins in a very, very, very long time. And I'm excited that I can sink my teeth into it, Nestlemania. Wow. Yeah. I hope Danny, I hope Danny and the, uh, the TJ were uh, sitting down and enjoying that. You ready? You ready for this? Yes. I love this so much on, on so many different levels, but here's the, here's the fatal flaw that makes me giggle because it's me, right? And I think this is why the Haggard thing with the hair and the whole thing like makes me giggle. They spent the first four, five years of Seth Rollins' career talking about how he's an architect and how he plans out everything to the <laughs> smallest detail. <laughs> And then he lets, you know, something slip past the goalie, so to speak. So, like, to me, like, that, like, I hope they bring that up. I hope, I really do, because it's so funny to me to be like, I was the mind, you know, I was the mind behind the shield. I would think about all these strategies and yada, 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 and be like, but when my pants are off, I don't think clearly. You know what I mean? Like, that that would be so fucking funny. And I hope that Charlie Caruso asks him that question. I know nobody's going to probably call attention to it, but it would be so fucking funny. And it, like, they do an in-depth interview because he's probably lost a bunch of matches. He's snapping. He's killing Michael Cole. He's, you know, he's, he's beating up jobbers. He's, you know, taking out people's noses and ears, necks. Like, I want that whole thing, but I, I want them to ask him the question, you know, like, you've planned out everything in your life, but you didn't plan this. You know, I think, I think, I think, I think that would be, that would, but that, here's the thing, like, so it's just like the Shana thing. Like, it, if you go and you make a comment about that, like, it would be a phenomenal moment. Like, it would just be so great to have somebody sit down with him and say those things. Like, it, it would be great in so many different ways because he is the architect and he didn't have that. And it's like a super faux pas. Like it's a faux pas moment for Seth Rollins and it'd be dwindling around to do things. So I'm excited for it. I think that there's, 
it, it's a comical thing when it's real. And when it's real, you get up to the line and you talk about it, and it's funny. And that's why the Shana thing worked, as yeah. well as this thing that worked. I'm with you. Do you have any other more shine? Because I have something that might be a more tra- transitional piece. Well, let's let's look at all my notes here. Um, I I'm intrigued very quickly. I'm intrigued by the Zelina boys having infighting. Okay. But I don't want to. I do not want to see Austin Theory as a baby face. He looks like he's a Randy Orton kind of heel. Yep. Really hoping that that doesn't happen. It seems like they just think he's a good looking guy, and that's it. But you know, the lethal Lothario. I mean, who knows? He's just kind of like a good-looking guy, too. Who knows? We don't know. Um, I will say that it made me kind of giggle, uh, and I'm sure you'll stop me here if uh, if it is your transitional thing, but um, it's just funny to me that uh, you know MVP is trying to plant a seed with Lashley. And then, of course, we get to the point where Lana is already eating up scenery and overacting before she even opens her mouth, oh, and then she's, yeah, like, screaming. Like, that was rough, but it made me giggle, too. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, like I said, I, I like the Lashley MVP thing, so that's fine. Uh, but my transitional piece, and I know this is going to fucking irk you, but I didn't know what to expect from it, but it's more of like it was something different, and it might have been so bad that it was good. Uh, I'm only talking about part one here because there was a part two, which I didn't care for. I didn't hate part one of the basketball segment. Go fuck yourself. Honestly, <laughs> just go fuck yourself. I, like, I just, for me, I'll just say it quickly because I know you're going to have tons of say, is that I think it's just for something that, like, we haven't really, a feud that kind of flopped and they had a match, whatever, and the Viking stuff they're doing, I don't, it's kind of weird, but it just, like, it was more of, obviously, the Street Profits element. I thought it just, like, it was something that, like, I try to judge things on is can it captivate my attention? And I, it was so bad, it captivated my attention. I enjoyed it. Like, I giggled a few times. Like, I didn't hate myself for watching it. If someone would have walked in the room and I had to explain what was going on, it was probably one of those cut-with-your-pants-down wrestling moments. But yeah, I Cap, Cap would have hated it. Yeah, hey, I'm, I Cap probably. Well, you know what? He still watched it. Because it was, the reason why I'm looking at it is, like, I'm on this three-hour show where I get bored as fuck most of the time. This was something different where they're putting in some effort and... It just like I it was enough to like I was into it and laughing. Part two I think was just a little too much. I don't think it was necessary, but uh I just I didn't hate it. I thought there was some uh, good entertainment in there. Again, you just you 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 just said exactly what it was. Entertainment. And yeah, that's fine. That's part they, of the E, baby. They, the E's the biggest part of the W's. Yeah, sure. Great, wonderful. Uh but here's here's the thing, right? Like you just got off saying uh earlier they're like, Oh, when it when it's big we're going to do these cinematic things. It was like literally the next night they did this crazy. This wasn't cinematic, though. Cinematic. This, was, this was a segment. You, you, it's you, it's you, exact, this is coming from the, the guy who thing. always asked for them to do more stuff backstage and different stuff. They did something off-site at a different location. It's the same way. It was shot the exact same way. It was the same stupid jokes and everything. Everything was the same. It is the same. It's it, the wasn't, same it, was, it wasn't the same. They it's were completely, the completely different things, but this was still entertaining. It was entertainment, WrestleMania. Give me more entertainment. Here's here's the other thing too, right? They made a joke about the karaoke thing, yeah. And then they paraded like so. Let's go back a couple weeks. They did the karaoke thing, head scratcher. Then they abandoned it to make them tough again. And then we're going back to them being hokey again. Like it just it to me it's it's just it's like start and stop, backward and forwards, left and right. There's no there's no progression here. It's just back and forth. It's like are they funny or are they serious? Are they doing this? Like, I know they're probably trying to paint them in a three-dimensional mold and not necessarily a two-dimensional kind of thing, which I understand. But watching the Viking Raiders in fucking basketball shorts doesn't fucking do it for me. Like, you know, it's, just, it's stupid. And then, you know, at the very end, it was like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I can dunk and throw a half-court shot. It was just, it was stupid. Like, the whole, so basically everything you showed me for the entertainment value didn't really register for anything. And it was like, we let you win. And then that made the Street Profits be like, oh, shucks, we'll get them next time, bam. You know, whatever. Like, that's that's what it was. It didn't, like, it literally didn't lead anywhere. It was, you were both left where you were before this started. Like, nobody got any better or worse. They just were the same. And when you're watching something, especially when you're watching a movie or you're watching a television show, there has to be progression. And somebody's going to come out there and say, oh, well, now I have more respect for the, you know, the Viking Raiders because fucking Eeyore can fucking dunk. No, you don't. That has, has no relevance to how he is in the ring. He's obviously a freak of nature. And Handsome Johnny is an amazing athlete. So that's not a big deal. But it's just it's hard because there's literally nothing about this. Like, yeah, like Dawkins was Dawkins and, you know, Tez was Tez and that's fine. And everybody had a good time. Chuckle, chuckle. But it didn't, like, I would have preferred that something 
became of it, like a new characteristics of the Viking Raiders or a new characteristic of the Street Profits to further the feud instead of the, oh, yes, we're just as good at you and anything else we're doing, makes absolutely no sense, which means nobody's better than anybody and nobody can progress to anything else. So it just was a jerk off segment for you. That's all it was. So I think nothing. I think I think you're wrong about that actually, because the whole point of this segment was the Street Profits were trying to prove to the Viking Raiders that they're better than them at something, and they thought they were. And then it turns out with uh, part two that the Viking Raiders are actually better than them at that as well. The whole point of this storyline is that the Viking Raiders have been better than the Street Profits the entire time. The Street Profits have never beaten them at anything, despite being the champions. And this was their way of being like, oh, we challenge you to basketball because that's something we can win. So I do think there was something that would came out of it because that was the point they were trying to do it. They did it in a comedic light. I think, unfortunately, just the way the Street Profits are, being so entertaining, they're going to be part of a lot of these comedic things. And that's how WWE has used tag teams over the years. That's how they're using them on Raw because Heyman loves this kind of like hit and giggle stuff. But for me, the combination of it being entertaining and them actually using that, I do take something out of it because so much of Raw, it's just random matches, a filler or random jobber match where nothing's coming out of it. It's like, at least this is something unique to the show. It's something that that is completely different and it actually I do think it moved it forward a little bit enough where it's like okay it's continuing to prove that the Viking Raiders are really good at everything compared to the Street Profits and that it would make sense that eventually they're just going to beat them so if the Street Profits actually do beat them at something maybe it'll mean something who knows we'll find out basketball has nothing to do with wrestling the prowess it, it doesn't yeah to do but that, that's that's the whole point is the street profits took something like quote-unquote to their court to prove that like we're, we want to prove that we're better than the viking raiders at something because in the ring the viking raiders have been better the entire time so the street profits were looking for an easy win and they thought they had it and they didn't get it but if the street profits are where they were before this and the viking raiders were better before this and, and didn't change anything it, it doesn't change anything that we've just yeah, watched. But then you, you, you mess literally with, have, by this you thing, you everything you watch, you should throw in the trash because that's how almost everything is week to week. There's small progressions. You don't get big progressions every week. This is something where it's like they just they're coming off their big match. They did something else to move it forward. Sometimes there's little True like above. there's little short goal line movers. Sometimes there's big plays. This wasn't a big play. This was just enough to convert on first down to keep the drive going. First off, don't talk sports to me. Oh, hell yeah, I'm going to talk sports. You worked in sports for many years, you clown. Listen, listen. If you're going to pull this segment out and and put something else over it, it, you wouldn't even notice that it was there. Like, literally, it didn't matter. That's that's, that's the part. This is one of the best parts of Raw to me. I was entertained. Besides the stuff we talked about before, this was the next best thing. The rest of Raw, complete and utter trash. And now, you know what? If they canceled that, had a one-hour show, I would want this in that one-hour show over all the other bullshit they showed. You're, you're delusional. Because this you was entertaining. This was television. It was something different. I enjoyed it. It was so bad it was good. Give me more of that. Keep it going, Polly. Keep it going, Polly. Give me more. Give we me more unique on. stuff. I, I I'm not Nestlemania. I don't want to watch the same match over and over going to empty arena. Cool. You I can watch. Want okay, Nestlemania. You can watch fucking Drew McIntyre Andrade part 10,000. You can watch a six-man tag featuring R-Truth wearing fucking fake teeth. You can watch the fucking Zelina boys fight the same people every week. You can watch Lashley fight Shimmy Shimmy again. You can do all this over and over again, and I'll enjoy my unique new segment that was something different. You can enjoy whatever the fuck you want, but I'm telling you right now, I just I can't for the life of me enjoy this. Like I, I can't. Because you I, hate fun. You I knew you're gonna do that. You, that, that you, when you're losing an argument, when you no, lose no, an no. argument, it's, you, it's not. No, no, no. It's, it's not a losing argument. It's an ender because it's true. I save it for last because I want to. I beat you, you without it. it. See, there it is. You could, no, you, what you originally were just gonna say right there is because you leave it at the end because you want to beat me. That's no, what you because were gonna it's, just it's say. the dagger. It's already the, uh, it's already over, but it's just like it's over. It's over. That's just the cherry on top. I don't even like cherries, but I'll put one on just for presentation. You don't like cherries? What is no, wrong with you? No, I like cherry-flavored things, but not actual cherries. They're gross. You probably like cherry-flavored condoms, too. I, I don't think I've ever tried one of those, and I don't, I don't really think I would get the taste off that, but I don't know. I'd have to ask someone eh. else, I guess. Eh, well, when you're alone. Uh, whatever. <laughs> let's move on. All right. Uh, well, where would you like to go? I just mentioned a bunch of shit that sucked. Do what you want. I mean, yeah, I mean, do you, do you really want to talk about these things? You really can do really whatever you want. This is your, I literally mentioned everything else that I thought sucked. You do whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, I mean everybody was clamoring for Mac versus Andrade, and I said it was a rerun, and they give me shit on Twitter. But, I mean, guess what happened? Nothing. Like, fucking nothing. They made it a DQ or whatever the fuck it was. Like, it, it was like, it was just stupid. It just didn't even matter. Like, it just didn't. 
he, I think he beat him within like, no, he did beat him. He beat him in like an inch of his life. It was just stupid. It was like, he's good enough to be a regular season every week kind of guy, but he, you can never build on Dryde to beat Mac or go up for a world championship anytime soon because they just throw him through like fucking paper towels. And then like next week I'm excited for the Mac and King Corbin, but I don't know if that's for anything in particular, right? Like I'm sure we'll talk about that later, but you know, we get to the MB, you know, MP3. The MVP <laughs> getting, you know, the fucking Vink Thorn connection against Truth and Fed Roche. Again, this whole this whole segment should have been wiped from my memory. It was just fucking atrocious. It is what it is, and it's just terrible. Like, there's so many things on this show that I was just like, oh, good lord! Like, what the fuck are we doing here? So, yeah, this is what it is. It, I, it was all pretty much a waste. Uh, I do think the one thing that we haven't talked about that we should hit on is. Um, Orton and Edge, they were advertising it as something. We didn't know what it was. We thought it was a match, but apparently it wasn't. It was just an interview uh, segment. But I will say, Orton does what Orton does. He sold me on a match. I'm interested in it, even though I didn't really... I don't think like we should be interested in it, but Randy Orton in that promo, he sold me on like, okay, I would like to see these guys fight in a regular wrestling match. Charlie kind of fucking ruined it at the end by being like, we could be in for the greatest wrestling match of all time. And I was like, whoever the fuck spoon fed her that line, chop off their head. Yeah, I think that's really what ruined it for me, to be honest. And, and here's here's the thing. Like, they've always named Edge, at least when you see interviews with Cena. They, he's like, he's the Einstein of wrestling, is what they say. Like, he puts the match together better than anybody else. He taught me a lot about wrestling and all this wrestling shit. This is the part that drives me fucking nuts, right? Like, you built up this amazing feud with, this is technically heat, I guess. You built up Orton and Edge for this last man standing match, and it couldn't deliver based on how well it was the whole fucking time. Like, it just... It just was like, it was so good while it was happening that while you got to the end of WrestleMania, you were like, this is a fucking popcorn fart. So when you get to this whole point here, where Randy Orton and Edge come out there and they cut a great promo, Orton basically wipes the slate clean saying, I'm the best wrestler, you're the best man, but you won that. Anybody can win in a last minute standing match, but can you win a wrestling match? Then Edge has that doubt. He looked good. He sold it. Everything was there. There was that no physical interaction, obviously, for some reason, but that backlash, they're whipping that name out, too, which we haven't really discussed. It is what it is. They're not even going to have the hanging hooks, which is the whole point, in my opinion, to bring back backlash, because those hanging hooks are the fucking shit. Uh, But you get to a point of, like, okay, like, I'm not saying Randy Orton and Edge won't be a good match, but, like, based on the body of work that has recently happened in front of my own eyeballs, it makes me feel like Orton and Edge are going to oversell this fucking thing again the whole way through, and I'm going to be so fucking ready and boned up and excited to go see it, and then it's just like, it's not going to be a good wrestling match. It's going to be a fucking drizzling shit match is what it's going to end up being, and it, it sucks. It's like they're taking you on a ride, and then that last bit, that finish, that climax is just not what you want. Yeah, and I think we've talked about it before. In most cases, I'm okay with that. I just think my big hope for them in this one is like, the biggest thing against the WrestleMania match was it was way too fucking long. If it was condensed, maybe we would have looked at it a little more fondly. So I just think that they need to realize that, yes, even though you're two legends and you're two Hall of Famers and you're two of the all-time greats, like, you don't need to go out there and wrestle for 30 minutes, not even probably 20 minutes. Like, keep it shorter, keep it good, and I think we'll come out happy. I'm never happy. Let's move on. That's true. Should we get hopeful then? At least let be hopeful. Let's you may not be happy, but a different age. Glorious. You're my only hope. Mine is going to be about the WWE Championship. Is You know what? Obviously, a big reason why I wanted Corbin to win Money in the Bank is because I, I want Baron Corbin back on Raw. I think he's done everything and everyone he could on SmackDown. I don't think there's much more for him to do on that show. So I think it's time to move him back to Raw, put the number one heel in the company on the three-hour show with more time where you need – you know, someone to really step up, and especially when you have such a good babyface champion. I thought McIntyre and Corbin was a feud I'd like to see uh, in the future, but apparently we're getting it now, and I'm okay with it. They're wild carding their way to give it to us, but my uh, hope from this is that the uh, lawn game here is that Corbin remains on Raw and becomes a Raw superstar and actually becomes the WWE champion. Will it happen at Backlash? Because Corbin will probably find a way to win next week and get a title shot or blah, blah, blah. Or maybe it'll be a schmoz, DQ, and McIntyre will be like, now I want to fight you or something. I don't know. but So maybe Corbin doesn't win at Backlash. But I think long term, I want Corbin to be the WWE champion. Um, it's a tough mixed bag because I do want Drew to also have a nice long reign. But at the same time, like he can always get it back uh, once fans are back. I think that we've talked about that uh, to death as well, but that's my hope is that Baron Corbin becomes a Raw superstar, wins the WWE Championship, because hashtag JC knows, hashtag JC's hopes come true. Delightful. Yep. My my hope this week is a segment we did not talk about, where a, 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 uh, a 
bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, baby-faced Jinder Mahal was talking to <laughs> Charlie Caruso about how he's going to have a hero's journey this time around. And it made me think, JC, it made me think, you know what I want? This is what I'm hopeful for. I want Jinder Mahal to win the WWE Championship again, but not as a babyface, but as a Kurt Angle-type heel, where he's doing everything squeaky clean, white-hot babyface, and the crowd, if they can finally fucking get him in front of a crowd, will boo the fucking shit out of him and be like, this guy right here is doing everything correctly and you're still booing me? Screw you people. Like, that's what I think he could do. He could be a hero. You can edit his matches to be, again, a hero in India, but then you have him be the shitty heel and you can get him back to the mountaintop again in a different form of what he was a little bit. And I think having him as a babyface doesn't necessarily get me excited, but having him be that, that Kurt Angle-type heel where he's doing everything on the up and up and still getting you know people like just like, hey, we don't like you. Fuck you. Get out of here. Like I think that would be awesome, and I think he could pull it off. I think he, he's jacked to the gills. Like he's, he can do it. And so I think that he's, he's a good representative of what, of what they need probably six to ten months down the line. I am pro-gender. I am not against hindering gender, so I think that's interesting. Uh, I certainly uh, think they have an opportunity with him, but uh, don't call it a comeback. They've been here for a year. Iconic! I was so happy, like many others on the internet, when uh, their music hit during a moment of bliss uh, on Raw last night. Uh, I think it's exciting to have them back. We don't know where they've been. They've just been. I know Peyton Royce has been crushing the TikTok game, just uh, doing dances uh, for a long time. But they're back on our TV, and uh, it appears that they will be getting a tag team opportunity next week on Raw because they defeated Bliss Cross because we're just hot-shotting feuds, baby, right away. But it is nice to see them back because, as we know, the Iconics are incredibly talented. I think we all enjoy them on the mic and in the ring, and I am curious to see if they can retain their tag team championships. Not a fucking chance, but nice comeback. My comeback <laughs> this week she goes to people power. Because I, I, I popped so hard to see him on his fucking scooter and then Otis just fucking pie his ass in the face. <laughs> There's nothing else to say. Big Johnny, I always get a pop. Every time he's there, he's, he's fucking amazing. He wins every single fucking time. I'm with you. I People power is one of my favorite things ever. It's it's greatness. Uh, but we're going to get to the big finish. One, two, three. As they say, we've already talked next week on Raw's McIntyre Corbin and Bliss Cross versus the Iconics for the tag titles. I don't know if there's anything else, but uh, is there anything on SmackDown? Charlotte's showing up for no reason. Oh, yeah, that's right. She's not. Oh, so they, they listened to you, Nestlemania, and they said, okay, Nestlemania doesn't want her on Raw, but we're going to wildcut her ass to SmackDown now. <laughs> So, so we haven't really talked about this. We talk about this uh, brand versus brand invitation the thing that they're clearly disguising the wild card. You know, maybe they're making it simpler, as you said to me, but I, I doubt it fucking highly. Especially, you can't fucking put lipstick on a pig. It sucked before. It sucks now. It's going to be terrible. I understand they have to because both of the ratings are fucking terrible for both exists, networks. Yeah. And I understand that, but good goddamn, does it, does this thing right here just smells like dog shit to me. You can't fucking put one over on me. It's not going to make me tune in. I'm already tuning in for this podcast anyway. It's not going to bring people back in. Fresh masks up. Don't fucking care because all your fucking people that you're paying are staying home. Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, all the people that moved the fucking needle for me as a fucking fan, they're all sitting there till this thing, you know, goes away or, or feels better or safer for all of them. So you know what? Screw it. Like, it's just not going to fucking work. So get this shit off my television. End of story. Yeah, it's not – I don't love it either. I do think they're not going to do it like they did before with the over-the-top. I think it's going to be more of like, hey, Corbin's on Raw this week challenging McIntyre. And, hey, Charlotte's – like, it just appears as of – for this week at least, it's like a one-for-one. One. I know Bliss Cross were on Raw, but they're also the... – That's how – but that's – Josh, Josh, that's just, this is how they fucking started. No, the, no, no, I, I, I well. agree. I agree. But until until they go back into what they were doing before where it's like the same six guys wrestling on both shows – I will at least give it a chance. I don't I don't love it, but I just think the way that they eased me personally into it is that Corbin was the first guy and I already wanted him on Raw. Um, the Charlotte thing, who knows what the fuck they're going to do with it. I just, I don't even have a guess of why, but I just, I mean, it's more of like, we've already seen this with NXT. Like, I mean, uh, your boy Tozawa is like undefeated in the cruiserweight bullshit tournament, but he's fucking lost like 15 straight matches on Raw. So how am I ever going to take this motherfucker seriously? It just, uh, it's, I don't like it either. Wildcard sucks. It's terrible. Um, I think there's ways that sure, if they don't bring it out every week and kind of pick their spots to like, maybe just give a fresh feud. I mean, it's okay, I guess, because you can just say, oh, this person's on Raw now. But they're clearly obviously not going to do it like that because this is a decree from the USA and Fox execs being like, I want that star that's not on my show to be on my show. And WWE, unfortunately, has to cater to them because of money, and it's going to convolute the product, and we all lose. You can't fix it. It's like putting a bullet on, uh, putting a Band-Aid on a bullet hole. It doesn't, fucking, it doesn't happen. 
I wonder. End like, of story. I wonder what if that uh, if that could help. You know, you just cover it up with a band aid. Yeah, limp your way to the ER. Good luck. <laughs> See how it fucking goes. Well, I think you, that's it for me. Yeah, I don't really have anything else. I don't think NXT and AEW have anything groundbreaking uh, really uh, booked, so not much to talk about there. So uh, jobberknocker.com, that's the website uh, where you can check out all our weekly articles, like we mentioned, NXT, AEW, NXT UK, NWA, Power. And, of course, there's always some good opinion pieces. I believe TJ recently wrote about how Johnny Gargano could be the next Stone Cold. So if you want to laugh your ass uh. off like I did, go ahead and read that. Also, Joe uh, recently did write an article about the recently released superstars, which ones which make would make sense in AEW. So those are obviously good reads. They are in the featured columns right now. And, obviously, anything else in the archives you want to check out. Uh, leave us five stars, five flames on iTunes, uh, Anchor, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Google Play, and archived on YouTube. Like all that stuff, and we appreciate it. It goes a long way to helping us. Uh, Twitter at Jabberknocker, at Nestlemania, at JC of the JK, at DQ of the JK, at Ray Ray of the JK, at Billy D2411, at Joe Pollock47, at TJ of the JK, at The Real Deal B Cox, Facebook Jabberknocker, Instagram Jabberknocker, because we are everywhere you want to be on the social media. That's true. And for, I'm going to take a timeout real, very quickly. Uh, nobody's going to say this, uh, or at least JC's not going to say it. So uh, somebody's celebrating a birthday on Friday, so make sure you give him a fucking follow, JC of the JK. Uh, he's, he's turning um, an undisclosed number. I think it's 29 plus 2 or 3. <laughs> I'm not going to say specifically. Uh, but he does a lot of hard work here. He's a very good friend of mine, and uh, I know he doesn't like that I'm saying these nice things about him on the program. But wish him a happy birthday because he's a good guy. And uh, we will be back next week with more Jobber Knockery.